you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. with my children all day. Uh, I try to help uh, uh, to clean house and wash diapers, little bit cook, play, play with children outside. Marina, did you love Lee Oswald? Yes, I, I love Lee and I study him. You what? I study. You're sorry for him? Yes. Because uh, he died very young. Do you uh, visit his grave uh, still? Mm, I visit him in the grave every week. Mm, one time or two times a week. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 83 of the Lone Gummy Podcast. Today, I got a great show for you. I talked to Carmine Savastano. He comes back on the show. We're going to be talking about the Walker incident mainly today. I played you that little clip of Marina at the beginning, and it will become clear in the podcast why. But just to dispel any questions off the bat, I just wanted to illustrate a little bit of Marina's uh, English ability. Now, this interview you just heard, a piece of it, uh, was conducted three weeks after the assassination. That's it, three weeks after the assassination. And But she needed a translator for questioning and her testimony to the Warren Commission some months later. Um, it sounded to me like she knew pretty good English uh, for, for you know being in the country not very long. Um, you know, is that odd? Maybe, uh, but we'll get into that more in the show. But I just wanted to uh, explain it, why I was playing that at the beginning of the show because I said I would in the podcast. So anyway, that's it for this little intro. I just wanted to, to uh, cue you up on that, 
and hope you enjoy the show. And without further ado, I bring to you Mr. Carmine Savastano. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Lone Gummin Podcast. This is your boy Rob Clark with my special returning guest this week, my good buddy and proprietor of the Neapolis Media Group and author of the upcoming book, Two Princes and a King, Carmine Savastano. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How you doing, Rob? Good, good to be here. Doing good, doing good, buddy. And uh, today, Carmine uh, joins me here today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Oswald allegations when it comes to the attempt on General Walker um, and, you know, looking at the aspects of, uh, of some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, here recently, Carmine, um, I was in uh, I was in a kind of a newer group on Facebook run by mostly lone nutters who seem to think that the case against Oswald is ironclad. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they do sometimes, don't they? And, and you know what I asked them? I said, I said, okay, look, tell me just one, give me your best piece of evidence against Oswald. And I guarantee you that I will cast some kind of a doubt on it. And nobody gave me anything. They said that I was ducking somehow. So this... There's, there's two, ty- two types of criticism as we, you, I, and pretty much anybody in these groups knows. There's reasonable criticism, which is rare. And then, yeah, like you said, they were just saying you were ducking because you didn't conform to the way they wanted you to think. So reasonable criticism, I think we need more of. And, it, it, you know, what you're saying is reasonable. It's not like there's any specific part of the case that is rock solid. You know, we can, we can say that some things aren't likely based on the evidence and we can say that some things aren't likely based on what the politics of it is you know these guys i think on both sides need to drop the politics what evidence do you have prove what you can you know claim what you like but don't say that it's ironclad unless you can prove it's ironclad yeah and that's what i asked for i said give me your best piece of evidence you know if you say if you say to me well it was oswald's gun found in the sixth floor then i can you know, quietly point out all the problems that was it really Oswald's gun? Was it ordered in his name? No. Were they the right rifles ordered? No. Uh, you know, and so on and so on. Can, can we believe Bill Frazier? No. So, <clears throat> you know, there, there's, uh, you know, and then, you know, if they say, oh, well, his fingerprints were on the underside of it. You know, of the, of the of the barrel or something like that. You know, but <clears throat> yeah. Why didn't they well, find him again, on the trigger? I mean, it doesn't explain the short timeline that they have for him to do everything and come up with a plot. It still doesn't explain how in 24 to 48 hours he was somehow able to pull all this off, get the you know rifle into the building, and then reassemble it with no tools while not being observed. Yeah, and they take for granted certain facts of the case that 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 they think are undisputable. You know, like. Somebody asked me, okay, well, if, if, if Oswald didn't take his gun to work that day, well, then how did the gun get out of, of Ruth Payne's garage and into the sixth floor? Well, they're assuming that the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody else could have taken it. Or how, how do we even know it was in Ruth Payne's garage, you know, to begin with? I mean, we don't. There is no rock-solid evidence that it was. 
you know, and I have discussed too the gray areas. You know, a lot of people unfortunately don't want to consider that they might be wrong partially. That you know that we have where most people I think are who are reasonable and they're willing to consider evidence from either side, and then we have the fringe members of both sides who think that Oswald's either completely innocent or completely guilty, and neither one of those is very likely. You know, he either has some minor complicity or maybe some major complicity, but. That doesn't necessarily. That doesn't mean he killed anyone. It doesn't mean he ever fired a shot in the plaza. Yeah, I mean his actions. You know, we were, we were talking about uh, what went down in the theater when he was arrested. Yeah, you know, I think it was uh, some guy asked, well, "Well, why did why did Oswald hit hit an officer if he if he was innocent?" And I'm like, really? Well, you know, if you look at the picture of Officer McDonald, he has a big scratch on his face. That's it. Okay, Oswald had a ring and a, and a uh, bracelet on at the time. And if you're just a guy, uh, you, either innocently sitting in a movie theater or believing that you got set up and were there to meet somebody, and you're surrounded by ten cops who want to arrest you, and you don't feel like that it's right, that you might resist a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, some people can resist. Officers get scratched in scuffles trying to arrest suspects it's nothing new it's been happening for eons um you know somebody bopped the shit out of oswald on his head and uh in his eye and and they got him out of there you know it's it's when it comes yeah, just because someone resists doesn't mean that they're guilty it right. just means that they resisted <laughs> yeah i mean he was the one screaming police brutality so you know, and, and I said, you got to look at the mindset of these cops going into the theater. You know, they just they think that they just got the guy who killed one of their brothers. You know what I mean? On the force. They're going to be pissed. They're not going to be careful. And they're not really going to care about Oswell's what, you know, his well-being. <clears throat> but it's just, you know, I'll oh, go ahead. told that's the direction things needed to go in um because here's what here's the way the lone notar has been rubbing me lately is when they asked you know they want to know well you tell us what really happened then if, if the official story didn't you know and i'm like look nobody's ever going to know exactly what happened you know in dealey plaza or in the school book depository or in custody um but what I can tell you is, you know, if you're saying that somebody's guilty, then it's up to you to provide the evidence that proves the allegation that this man is guilty. It's not up to me to prove that he's innocent. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's the way yeah, things officials, fall into court. Officials failed to do their job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're calling a man it's guilty. But upon all of us, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were saying. Oh, I was just saying, you know, if you're calling a man guilty. Then you have to have the evidence to back that up. And I don't think if given that Oswald had a, a, a good lawyer, 
that he would have been convicted in court of anything. No. Well, and that's the whole thing that a lot of people who support the commission fail to realize. is the only reason the commission, besides it being an extraordinary creation of a president and being headed by the head of the Supreme Court, which basically marginalizes the Supreme Court, it created lower, it used lower standards in the creation. It used, it didn't use, it used civil standards, not criminal standards. Criminal standards is beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the highest standard. With civil standards, it's just a preponderance of evidence. Well, if all you allow is the evidence that supports your thesis, then chances are the evidence is going to support your thesis. <laughs> and all the evidence that was hidden from them. I mean, the commission, a lot of people want to blame the commissioners. It's not the commissioner's fault. They were lied to as well in most cases. Now, Dulles, yes, I would put some blame on Dulles because he knew some of the things that the rest of the commissioners were lied to about. But there was a cover-up. I mean, anyone who goes, no matter what you think happened or who killed JFK, facts were hidden. Officials suppressed evidence for decades. That's, that's plain. All you have to do is look at the evidence, and you can see the Castro plots, the plots against Patrice Lumumba, you know, giving William Harvey sanction to hire assassins. All that happened, and all of it was hidden from officials by officials. Right. Yeah, I mean, the Warren Commission is just a conclusion of a couple people pulling, cherry-picking evidence from 26 volumes of evidence to fit into 800 pages. It, you know, it's that you know that best fits what they want us to believe happened you know it's it's their best case scenario best on their cherry picked evidence you know but as as we know and as people before us have known if you actually go and look at the 26 volumes there is a lot of evidence in there that does not point to Oswald um and it's not included in the official you know report you know a, a lot of stuff is left out and, and that's that's the reason why you know a lot of these early critics uh, we're, we're, we're on this thing and, uh, and that's the reason we do, we're still doing what we do today, you know, continue to look into this stuff. Yeah. I mean, even if you just consider one little portion of it, imagine just the witnesses that were in Dealey Plaza, we don't have an accurate full count. We don't know everyone that was there and they didn't even interview a majority of the people that were in Dealey Plaza. Of the hundreds of witnesses in the Warren Commission text, a lot of them are experts and are peripheral witnesses, not people from Dealey Plaza who might have seen something. Yeah, I mean, you, one of the things that they could have easily done at the time is when they when they got these affidavits from people, take their picture and attach it to the affidavit. Because, I mean, to this day, do we have a clear picture of who Jack Doherty was? No, I think uh, I... Uh, would really be impressed to see some because I know a lot of people, hundreds of people that have been looking for pictures of him for years on the internet and no one has found, they've found pictures of his brothers and his relatives, but I haven't seen a picture of him. Yeah. I mean, and that's just one example, you know, when it comes to, you know, everybody in Dealey Plaza, you know, it would help in identifying who, who people were, where they were. Uh, and that's just there, you know, that's not included in everything else, you know, Right. You know, a lot of these people that, that uh, you know, were, were interviewed in New Orleans and, and, and things like this in Mexico and these and these Cubans. And it'd just be nice to have an official, you know, photographic record of, uh, of people who testify before the commission. But we don't have it. 
Uh, we don't even have audio recordings of people testifying before the commission. Um, you know, little things like that. It's just, they could have done, you know, a, a lot better job. And, you know, I know the time they were crunched for time, you know, as far they, you know, to put that thing out and to, to compile all that within less than a year, um, is a pretty substantial feat for anybody. But, uh, you know, I think they rushed it a little bit because I mean, they were still, oh, yeah. they were still last minute in a lot of stuff, uh, even into September. Yeah. leaks coming out every once in a while you've got the cia and the fbi trying to influence the press they're trying to influence the commission to say that you know that it's oswald that's you know even before the the report's done i mean hoover hoover two days later he was ready to write a report you know johnson didn't even want to go with a commission he wanted to go with hoover doing two reports one on oswald one on kennedy and that's it everything goes away and it was because of katzenbach and robert kennedy and others who influenced the public to support a commission that a commission came about. But Hoover hated the commission. Hoover thought of it as an adversary because he just wanted to put out what he thought happened and it was over. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, if we could go back in time and if, you know, if something would have happened differently, you know, if, if the Warren Commission would, never was, I mean, could you imagine that? If there never was a Warren Commission and we had to go off of DPD and FBI only. Exactly. Well, what Hoover might let out. Imagine yeah. if Hoover just went the two FBI reports and everything just got sealed. <laughs> yeah, because Hoover loved to talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, all right, so let's get into what we wanted to talk about today. And that's, you know, another okay. another of these allegations of, of against Lee Harvey Oswald that he... Uh, took a shot at General Walker in April of 63. And when you go back and you look, kind of look at the timeline of things, um, I believe, uh, I believe that that Lee Oswald was, uh, wasn't he supposed to be in Louisiana at the time or, or am I wrong? Was shot at? Well, I, no, I think that he was. It was he was living in in uh, Texas at the time. Okay, okay. He, he was living in Texas at the time, but because uh, April April sixty three, uh, uh, yeah, I think he went in the summer to Louisiana. I think you're right that he did go later that year. I think it was like a week. Yeah, it was a week after the Walker shooting is when he when he when he left Dallas. You know what? You might be right. Yeah, maybe it was late spring, late spring, just before summer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so yeah, this is supposedly right around the time, and I would imagine that some people have tried to infer that that's why he left. Right. Time to get the but, hell out of town, right? Yeah, you know, or but I would think that it, we could also explain it with he already had family in New Orleans that he could depend upon for at least a couple loans from his Uncle Charles. You know, he was trying to seek work there, and he decided to, you know, for whatever reason, and additionally... If he did have some connection, whether or not, you know, I don't believe people should be saying that he definitely was CIA or he definitely wasn't. I think that's another gray area. He could have been. He could have also just been a dupe used by a member of the CIA or used by a CIA informant. Right. So for whatever reason, he chose to relocate. And while he's in New Orleans is when he really starts jamming up 
to try to put on his communist veneer. You know, he says that he he's supporting Pro Castro, hanging out the leaflets, getting the fight with Bringier, having already gone before to Bringier, trying to infiltrate his group. Where Bringier thought that he was an FBI penetration agent or a communist. Yeah, Bringier was a little upset with him uh, after he saw him handing those leaflets out. Yeah, everything was just a little too, uh, a little too tidy. And you know, and, and looking back, you can see, you, you know, you can see Bill Stuckey and, and Ed Butler were were part of these uh, uh, groups, these right wing groups, and uh, these these uh, anti Castro groups. And you know, it just makes you wonder, <laughs> with everything else going on down there, uh, how legit it was. CRC, which was funded by the CIA. Yeah. I mean, we have direct connections to people all around Oswald throughout most of his time in America, either having the CIA or FBI connections, even his aunt Lillian Moret was telling the FBI about what he was up to. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you can tie him to, you know, training these, training these uh, anti-cancer Cubans at Lake Pontchartrain, you know, that's somewhat of a CIA operation, uh, probably low, you know, low, 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 low level. Um, but you know, this is the kind of stuff that they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that I think could explain his leaving Texas as much as anything, you know, that he would ever, and even if it was all, Oh, you know, once again, one, I suppose one of the saddest variations could be is that Oswald kind of delivered himself into the hands of the conspiracy. That you know he had he was friends with some of these peripheral guys and he was trying to emulate them and he basically worked himself into a corner. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, any of it's possible. Yeah, I mean, some but people my, even try to say you know that well, if if Oswald was indeed the one that, that took a shot at Walker, that it might have been some kind of an orchestrated plan uh, to draw sympathy for Walker uh, and. Mm-hmm. You know, get his name out there, and because oh, yeah. you know, let's face it, Walker was uh, running for president in 1964. Uh, you know, he was uh, he had plans. You know, he was he was going across the South and uh, you know making speeches and and going to rallies and, and drumming up support. And you know, what what better way to make other people believe that you're some kind of an important threat than, than an attempt on your life, you know? And that's yeah, not saying that Oswald did it, but... Yeah, well, definitely to turn public sympathy. That's what I think the first document reflects is, um, basically, it's an FBI report that infers the German press was informed by Walker about the alleged Oswald shooting before Morena Oswald commented about the Walker incident and before the Walker letter was discovered by the Secret Service and given to the DPD. Right. Now, this Walker letter is, is supposedly, what, was it written in Russian? Yeah, it was written in Russian, very good Russian, which yeah. is strange because Oswald never demonstrated to have very good Russian writing. In fact, some people said that he had trouble even speaking, reading Russian. And so when they wrote letters, they wrote to Marina in Russian, and they wrote to Oswald in English. 
Yeah, well, seeing Oswald's English, he wasn't too damn good at that either. So, which leads so, you, I, yeah, you know, somebody like, uh, well, it leads you to believe that maybe somebody that, that like, uh, you know, Payne or Demore Shield might have wrote that. Because, or Marina. Yeah, or even Marina, you know, but the, things, the thing is, uh, there wasn't any fingerprints found on that, was it? didn't even test it against uh, the pains or anybody no. else. Nope. It, uh, once again, another venue, you know, another avenue they could have taken for investigation that they just let go. Uh, another problem with the letter is there's no mention of Walker shooting at him, his home, nor any specific time or action. It could have been for anything. He could have written it years ago and stuck it in a book. Right. And it was, once again, another piece of evidence that they needed to mold to try to fit this Oswald image they were building. Well, another thing that, that kind of uh, adds to that is supposedly another image from the Imperial Reflex camera uh, taken of, of General Walker's residence on, on Turtle Creek in Oswald's possession, <laughs> you know, found among his possessions after the assassination. Um but we don't know whose camera that was because I mean all by all accounts, you know, Oswald didn't didn't own that kind of a camera, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I know people have, have disputed that he owned it. Yeah, because I, I was listening to uh it was a black op a couple weeks ago and this guy Jeff Carter he did a a, a like a four four part article on Sitka about the backyard photographs and talking about the camera and that it was, that it was, you know, like a top, a top viewfinder. Like you didn't put it up to your eye, you know, you kind of look down into it and, you know, Marina had always said, you know, I just took the picture like, like you normally take a picture, you know, and she kind of mimicked putting it up to her face. Um, which, you know, there's a problem with that. And then of course, you know, how the, the camera got found, like the pains gave it to, to Robert Oswald, who found it in a box, you know, a couple months later, miraculously. And uh, But Lee had a Russian camera, and uh, he couldn't find film for it. And he had, he had a, like a different kind of a American camera. I can't remember the, the name of it. And, and supposedly a Minox, you know, a little spy camera. Um, but the kind of camera that, that took the photo, the backyard photos and the photo of General Walker uh, comes from this Imperial reflex camera that we don't know the providence of. So, it, what you know, it, if true, it is odd that, that Oswald would have a picture of General Walker's house in his possession, don't you think? Much of this, you know, 
these objects that were taken, when they were taken, who took them, the chain of custody gets broken. So it leaves all these questions that necessarily some might be valuable and, you know, some not. But it, they, once again, left a black hole as far as the, you know, as you said, the provenance of some of the evidence. You know, they're assuming that it belonged to him because it was found in the box in the Payne's garage. But it could have just as likely belonged to other people as well. You know, once again, we're, uh, it, that's what I, like you said, we're never going to, I, you know, it's possible, I hope maybe in our lifetimes, but we, we're probably not going to know all of the exact answers, but we probably can't put together a preponderance of evidence enough to distinguish what some of the major answers are to, you know, to show people that largely, like I said, I support that it was a feasible conspiracy. I don't think that it was a huge one as some people on the fringe do, where it's an entire agency or an entire government. I don't think that it's, it's that. I think that it's a small group, and chances are uh, they manipulated the evidence. And a lot of the manipulation, the cover-up that we all know happened, happened because of other reasons. Most people were not doing the things they did to hide President Kennedy's assassination. They were doing them to protect themselves because they had done other illegal things they didn't want found out, like Hoover and McCone and Dulles. Right, they were covering their own asses. You know, yeah. and, and one other interesting aspect to this this whole General Walker thing is, of course, <clears throat> if you go back and you look, <clears throat> and if you believe what Demore Shields says uh, about the events that happened at this Magnolia party in late February, when that that guy Volkovar Schmidt was trying to work Oswald up into a lather over three hours of telling him how evil. Uh, General Walker is, and how, how how much of a bad influence he's going to be on you know on things, and you know I think George Demorshield tells a story of uh, going to visit the Oswald. Um, I think it was a couple, might have been a couple couple nights after the Walker shooting, and kind of making a joke, you know, oh yeah, it was you know was it you Lee that that shot at him, and you know he kind of. Things got kind of awkward there for a second, and I think I think his wife Jean was actually saw the rifle in a, in a closet. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, after this 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 little meeting at the Oswalds, you know, they got, they kind of laughed it off, and uh, and uh, after that, you know, the Demore Shields left town, left for Haiti. Um, just just weird, you know, like. And Demore Shield said he said that you know he always felt guilty you know from for taking him to that party and then because apparently it was him and this Schmidt guy's idea to get 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 Oswald riled up about General Walker and then they were kind of mortified to find out that this guy could have possibly been the one to shoot at him. Uh, yeah, if we well, can believe what he said. That it's impossible. You know, I mean, it is possible that Oswald was involved. The problem is, is the evidence, you know, as the stuff we've discussed so far. Another thing with the letter was, um, the, the letter doesn't emerge until December, early December. And that's after this first document that we were talking about that it shows that the German press was talking about Oswald shooting at Walker in March. Oh, sorry, sorry, not March, in November, November 25th and 26th. Right. Before Morena even tells the commission. And that's another thing is that a lot of this relies on Morena just affirming what their what their deductions are. Yeah, we know she that. doesn't necessarily give a ton of background. She just sort of goes along with what they deduce. 
Right. And we know the problem with that being that, you know, she was threatened with, with deportation. Uh, and her children could be taken from her. Right. You know, so it's understandable that she would go along with whatever they told her to, to say. And we have very, yeah, yeah, we have a lot of evidence of that. the FBI was was kind of looking at her too as being you know some kind of a possible agent you know they were they were because you know of her little honeypot deal in Russia and and you know these defectors bringing back Russian wives and then and then uh, you know them turning out to be spies um, which is not out of the realm of possibility um, but you know you I guess when you're looking at, at, at stuff like this you know it's it's just odd to me, you know, like Ruth Payne, for instance, you know, you have her claiming to wanting to harbor, you know, Marina out of the kindness of her heart and, uh, you know, learn Russian from her. When in reality, <laughs> Ruth Payne already knew Russian, was teaching Russian. And, you know, we have instances and in one that I'm going to play at the beginning of this show where, where Marina, uh, a couple weeks after the assassination, is speaking some pretty damn good English. Uh, but yet she needs translators when it comes to, uh, uh, talking to authorities. So yeah. the whole damn thing just odd. And I think, you know, I actually read, uh, Ruth Payne was actually paying Marina $10 a week plus free food and boarding and, and all that to supposedly teach her Russian while she stayed there. And, and that Ruth Payne would pay for her medical, uh, food, stuff like that. Plus give her $10 a week. I, but I think it was more of a maybe a mutual, a mutually beneficial design where, yeah, maybe Ruth got to sharpen her Russian and Marina got to sharpen her English, you know, and also, you know, drive a wedge between her and, and Oswald. And, uh, you know, that, that whole thing needs to be looked at more. But let's get back to the General Walker thing for a second. You were mentioning some of the evidence. Let's talk about the bullet. Okay. From this supposed, uh, uh, you know, that was dug out of the wall there. Now, yeah, the the Walker bullet. There's, a, of course, like with everything else in this Walker allegation, there's some issues. Uh, the first issue with it is the commission. Commissioners were uh, discussing privately in a in an executive session that the DPD report, which was not complete, stated that they had no no clues regarding the assailant for the Walker shooting. Uh, the discussion turned to the, the uh, they called it a mashed bullet, which only one expert said could have been fired by Carcano. So no full identification was 
reached by the FBI and uh, the commissioner said anything they could work with from a ballistic standpoint was lacking. Right. Yeah, you kind of need striations. You kind of need, you know, rifling patterns to match it back. And, of course, they didn't have the rifle at the time to match it too, really. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's... And they wanted it to match the Carcano, but unfortunately it didn't. Right, it did not. There couldn't be a definitive match. So that's another piece of evidence in this that they're assuming that it could, you know, well, a lot of... It could have also gone to another gun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't you can't make it exclusive to a Carcano just based on metallurgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, so, you know, they were they were even guessing where, you know, like you were saying, the rifling, the point of fire. They were they were guessing where it could have come from based on this, you know, this um, hole and we don't even know that that's what occurred. You know, I mean, we, we don't know when the shot occurred. It did it, you know, occur prior. Did the shot was the deflection, you know, I mean, a lot of assumptions occurred just to go along with the Walker story and another uh, sticking to the bullet. Another problem with it was, uh, they did, they did spectrographic analysis of it and the bullet fragments did not have matching alloys to the Kennedy bullets. So this would suggest that the ammunitions were separate, and we know that Oswald didn't have a bunch of separate ammunitions. Right. Unless he was using somebody else's rifle, which you can't prove either way. Yeah. Yeah, or somebody else was firing. Right. And, you know, it was blamed on Oswald because that went along with whatever story whomever might have been firing wanted to weave. Yeah, I mean, we don't even know for sure that that because all we have is General Walker's version of events. If he was even sitting at the desk at the time that the shot was made, <laughs> you know, he could have went outside with a gun and shot and shot it, shot through the window, and then you know, done done all this little charade himself. And I'm sorry to say, but you know, his time in in the mental review, his arrest for inciting a riot and getting people killed and injured you know he, he wasn't the picture of credibility that people have tried to use him as in painting this picture of Oswald right but I think um, I don't think he was that mentally unstable I think he just had a lot of extreme views on things I mean oh yeah no I don't think he was a fool I just think that he was so obsessively committed to his causes. Oh, definitely. And he allowed them to overtake his sense. Yeah. Times. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, I mean, you don't get to be a major general in, in the uh, in the uh, army for, uh, you know, being in Looney Tunes and shit, you know. But yeah. I think he was very, like you said, committed to his views. And he very, no matter how twisted or what we may view as wrong views, when it comes to segregation and, and, and communism and, uh, you know, but he wasn't alone back then. There was a lot of people that did not want society to be integrated. They did not want, or that, you know, they did not want us to have relations, friendly relations with Russia, you know, this damn pinko commies and, and this and that. And there was a lot of powerful people committed to making sure that that didn't happen. 
as we can see, you know, from the assassination of JFK, Martin Luther King, um, you know, and various other happenings going on. So if we have him, feasibly, if the German newspaper is correct, as the FBI seemed to think they were, and which I don't think is outside the you know, possible, realm of possibility, we'll then have another document which kind of backs up that first uh, German story about Walker telling them about Oswald before officials even knew, and it's a telegram to Dean Akison, the Secretary of State, or Acheson, and it's from Undersecretary George McGee talking about the accuracy of the German press covering the events in Dallas the week after uh, the death of President Kennedy. So there's no reason to dispute the accuracy of what the German press was saying. You know, it was reliable, and they were getting information from halfway across the world then in 63 with some serious accuracy because they had people on the ground and because they were interviewing people like Walker. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when Walker believed that it was Oswald who, who had shot at him uh, because, you know, in, in later years, in, in various letters to other people, um, he would make the assertion that uh, he had, from his sources, that Oswald and Ruby were picked up, the, you know, the night of the assat or the attempt on his on uh, on his life by the Dallas police, and turned loose on orders from uh, the Kennedys. Now, where he got this information from, I don't know. Um, yeah, that seems like tying all of his enemies together in a nice package. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, it doesn't have to be true. It, it would. It, you know, somebody could could have told him that, and if he believed it, yeah, yeah. if he had believed it, that's uh, that's you know because of all the stuff that the Kennedys had done to him. You know, when it comes, you know, telling him to step, you know, yeah. he needed to step step down from his post in Germany, and you know, locking him up in a mental institution, and you know, just doing stuff like that. You know, poking the bear. Uh, you know, if he if if somebody had told him that, um, you know, it's kind of a good motive. Yeah, it's a motive to definitely not like the Kennedys. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So, okay, we we cover the letter, the spectrographic analysis. Uh, that the commissioners had definite doubts about it, that the German press was fairly accurate, and that Walker had given. Another thing with Walker giving the information before the American press gets it is it also feasibly taints the jury pool as soon as it hits the press. You know, and, and it also is a source, even though it only is the credibility of whatever Walker claimed, it becomes a source for later press. Right. You know, once, once the cat's out of the bag, it's hard to put back in there. Even if it's not accurate, and then you know other evidence such as this Russian letter, this uh, mysterious Russian letter, that can be attributed to and applied to the, the the General Walker shooting, even though it might not have anything to do with it at all. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I totally support that because there isn't anything specific in the letter that ties it to Walker. Then we have the problems of Robert and Morena claiming later about a supposed Nixon attack that Oswald planned. And even the commissioners and the staff didn't believe that. 
like Redlick and Jenner didn't believe Moreno or Robert Oswald about anything about the Nixon claims because none of it makes sense. Like that she was able to restrain Oswald in the bathroom. Yeah, I was talking to I was talking to Will uh, a couple months ago about the whole Nixon thing, and he kind of looked at it and uh, you know they didn't even investigate which way the door opened up there in in, the, in that apartment, and it turns out that. The door actually didn't open into the bathroom; it opened out of the bathroom. So, the idea that he had, this, he had momentum with him. Yeah, I mean, the idea that this little five-foot Russian, slightly built, you know, waif could could hold in, you know, this pissed-off Oswald, murderous uh, intended Oswald, is a joke. A guy who could fight multiple police. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke that any woman that slight could hold a man in, in a bathroom. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But so things like that, the, you know... That, that leads you to question, in my opinion, what are the, what are the other things she might have well, yeah. exaggerated about over the course of her testimonies? Not to say, you know, and then I, I'm not trying to attack Marina. I'm trying to say that, one, we know for sure that nobody's memory is 100%. So that's why, you know, when people say that they know exactly every detail, usually that's not the case. We know that there were instances of her both supporting and basically throwing Oswald under the bus. So there was variance in the things that she claimed. And that happens with a lot of people in the case, but with her especially in the beginning and later years. You know, as where she seems to go along with a lot of what the commission is doing early on, later she becomes tougher and starts to say that it's not true and that it was pressure and other things. Right. I think once she started realizing that, that, you know, that this whole Warren Commission fiasco was not actually a court case, so to speak, but it was more of a faux investigation, so to say, you know, that, that she, you know, in later years after this, you know, when she realized, you know, there was no, never going to be a trial, never going to be anybody else charged with this, that, she, you know, she finally opened up. You know, once she got comfortable in her life, once she married again, um, uh, you know, another American uh, to basically because, I mean, she got married a year and a half after Oswald was killed, which pretty much cemented her, you know, I guess citizenship again, uh, which, you know, probably made her a little more comfortable in the fact that they couldn't deport her. They couldn't deport Marina Porter, (laughs) you know. A uh, little play on words there, but uh, but yeah, she well, and she did receive quite a bit of financial and moral support from the American public. A lot of people felt bad. Oh, most definitely. After you know Oswald's arrest and Oswald's death. Not to mention movie deals, book deals, this and that. You know, there's still people trying to interview her. Oh yeah, you know, to the tune, of, and she was charging a lot for interviews back then. You know, in, in, in magazines and in, in papers. Well, that's the thing. She had a business manager after all this happened. Right. Not so. for very long, but it was in that period of time that, that you know, she, she was signing a movie deal uh, you know, or TV rights or whatever they called it back then. You know, to, I'm, I'm talking to the tune of like $125,000, which back then was a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, not to mention, you know, the hundreds of thousands that come in and, and donations and pity money. and Another interesting group of letters that get sent to is Ruby. Ruby gets hundreds of telexes and Federal uh, Express messages 
about good job after he killed Oswald. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably just sitting so, in a cell crying into his telexes. Yeah. You know, people just congratulate women and men. <laughs> I've read a lot of them, and they're kind of disturbing how, how everybody was sort of rah-rah and that he had murdered Oswald. Yeah, well, there, there was even a Dallas cop I saw recently, uh, just a, just a little while after the assassination, that was interviewed on TV, that was praising what Jack Ruby did. You know, just craziness. Sure, be a vigilante. You know, <laughs> don't let justice work. So, I think that that's, unfortunately, that's just the whole emotional. You know, and it exists on both sides. There is an emotional tinge to this whole thing that. I think a lot, you know, a lot of us can get past it, but some people can't. And unfortunately, it affects the research, you know, and it affects how they treat other people who disagree with them. They treat them, you know, more emotionally rather than. We all have to admit anything is possible at this point. We've definitely narrowed things down. You know, there's been thousands of researchers over the decades that have contributed, and there, you know, have been myths that have been created that hopefully get dispelled as time goes on, and they're have been all sorts of things that have happened, but ultimately it's going to be the cold, hard facts that are going to, I think, lead us down the best path. Right, yeah, and, and getting back to what we're talking about here, you know, I saw, I guess it's been a little while, and I might have talked about it on the show before, I'm not sure, but there was, the HSCA turned up a uh, a, uh, a flight, what was it, what do they call those things, Were you a flight plan? Where you have to, you know, say where you're going and who's on your plane and this and that. Yep. From uh, David Ferry, and it was dated the day before. Was it a day or two before the Walker shooting? I think it was the day before. Um, from New Orleans to it might have been, I don't know if it was Dallas or 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 somewhere somewhere in Texas, close to Dallas. I, I don't have the document sitting in front of me, but. Interesting that, that his passenger manifest uh, had the names of uh, Heidel, <laughs> Lambert, and Diaz. Now we wow. now we know Heidel is, is of course Oswald supposedly, and Lambert is Shaw, and Diaz is who knows maybe one of the Diaz Lambert brothers or yeah I don't know. Yeah, and I guess I, I'm not sure how they turn this up, but yeah, it's just interesting because I was thinking, you know, that's why I missed it up earlier when I was asking you if he was supposed to be in New Orleans, but he was supposed to be in, in, in Texas already. So if we have a flight plan from New Orleans to Dallas with you know, Heidel as a passenger from New Orleans the day before, um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that, that makes you scratch your head and, and wonder about. Yeah, that's another possibility. Because I mean, it's definitely David Ferry uh, flying from New Orleans to you know Texas the day before the Walker shooting, and it's interesting uh, these names that he has on his passenger list. So you know, yeah. it was probably just a little small, shitty four four seater plane, you know. Nothing fancy. Uh, just, just one, you know, another head scratcher. Yeah, and 
it surprising too that they would let because Ferry was flying, you know, during those years when he was having trouble with the law, <laughs> you know, for the the problems with minors that we prior discussed. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure he had access to some kind of a, a small, like you know, little little four seater plane that he could have flown easily flown in and out of there. And that's not to say that. You know, just because the, we have the passenger manifest listed there, that that is actually who was on that plane. They, True. He they, could have, yeah, substituted the, know, other people, even, you know, yeah, doubling someone else's name for who actually was on there. Yeah, yeah. Say, oh, we'll just use uh, old uh, the old Hydell alias and, and the old Shaw alias. and You know, just just another interesting tidbit, and the, the timing of it is what caught my eye. This April tenth. Yeah, that's yeah, that it's right before. Yeah, yeah, just just another odd curiosity to throw out there. The uh, the, what I was going to say is, I think something that ties all these together is we got okay, so we have the problems with the bullet, we have the problems with the letter, we have the problems with uh, the that the charges or that the allegations were issued before the commission even knew about them so theoretically they could have just been a rumor from walker and evolved into what eventually became the narrative then finally we have all the witnesses now in daily plaza and other places there's contention amongst the witnesses so people have two sides and one side isn't necessarily you know definitively correct in this case all the witnesses do not agree with it being lee harvey oswald no one identifies Oswald. Yeah. Of the two witnesses that I wanted to discuss today, one is Robert A. Surrey, the other one's Walter Kirk Coleman, and neither one. And they see people before the shooting and after the shooting, so no one actually sees the shooting, so no one sees if who shot, so no one knows for sure that it was Oswald. It is an assumption. And then they see two men in both cases. So before and after the shooting, it's two men, not one man, which right. infers a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> it is a plot. It is a plot of more than one person. Right. Because as we know, so, you know, I mean, they were supposed to make their getaway in a vehicle, and Oswald didn't drive. Nope. Or have a car. Which is, yeah, which is another problem. Someone has to provide that car. Did they did they provide a description of the of the car? Um, they uh, it was general. They didn't give. I, I do not believe they got license plates. Uh, Coleman. Um, where is it? Yeah, Surrey said that he uh, was in the. Well, I'll do Surrey first. Robert A. Surrey. He observed two men get out of a car, walk up into an alley, walk a property. The auto. At this point, uh, he went to their automobile. He checked the rear of the car and observed there was no license plate on the rear. So Surrey saw no license plate, and he observed nothing in the car that uh, he said it was a 1963 Ford. <laughs> now Coleman was. Uh, between 9 and 10 p.m., um, he was walking with his godfather, Ronald Andres, and they were putting shelves in Coleman's room. That's when he heard the noise. He looked in the parking lot, saw two men uh, in the back of a white or beige 1950 Ford hurrying towards the driver's side of the car. And then the other person uh, got in the car, and neither one of them is identified as Oswald. There's no uh, the 1958 black over white two-door 
uh, walking direction away from the entrance. Another, the other man went to a 1958 black over white two door Chevrolet sedan. <laughs> so we even have, you know, men before getting into the car together, afterwards getting into separate cars. But this also could have been people coming in and out of because it happened right outside of the church. Right. The church was right by Walker's house, so it could have been people coming in and out of the church mixing in as well. Yeah, or just other people that lived around there that, you know, coming and going. But yeah, we never see Oswald on the scene. The only people who put Oswald there are Morena in some of the earlier versions, and the commission believed, <coughs> based on what Walker and others said, it was Oswald. But we don't have any confirmation. We don't even have confirmation it was his weapon. Huh. Now I was trying to remember, and I want to say that he did, but I, I can't be 100% sure without going back and double checking. Um, in Ron Lewis's book Flashback, The Untold Story of Lee Harvey Oswald, I think, I think he said that Lee Oswald admitted to taking a shot at General Walker. Now, this is, of course, you know, Ron Lewis, what we're talking about here, but uh, if his story is true, um, you know, just, who knows? Because, I mean, Lewis was saying that that uh, Oswald was hell-bent on getting somebody, and he thought, he thought that Oswald was going to actually kill one of the longs that was running for governor back then, but it never happened. And he, he admitted to seeing Lee with his rifle hidden somewhere. Yeah, but I can't remember if what his General Walker thing was. I might have to go back and check that out. Yeah, I, well, I think there's a lot of people speculating. You know what I mean? And it's the whole uh, what, you know, you and I and uh, Chuck O'Chelly talked about the brush with history. You know, we, we've got the people who try to make it a bigger story than what actually occurred. Right. It's possible. I just think that there's not a lot of evidence for it. You know, you got a lot of people who said that they... You've also got the people who said that they saw Oswald practicing, that the commission even admitted later that none of them were verifiable because it wasn't him. You know, either the gun had different characteristics or the person didn't look like Oswald or the person was driving in the car or the person actually shot because they had firing practice, unlike Oswald, which there is no proof of firing practice <laughs> with the Carcano. Yeah, kind of like the people that... that uh saw the rifle up in the sixth floor window and it doesn't match a Carcano either. So, Yep. You know, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of problems and not to say that, you know, I think some good investigation was done. It's just not, it seems the most important moments when it isn't, you know, the, the things that the case turns upon seem to be the things that were abandoned to just lay the blame at Oswald's feet alone and move on. And, you know, we've also got the political influences trying to make that happen. We've got Johnson that is making Earl Warren burst into tears because he's calling upon him to serve again like he did in the World War to save his country from uh, a nuclear war that could happen if it gets blamed on the communists. Yeah. Yeah, this is a little melodramatic there, but, you know, that's that's the kind of tactics they that they employed back then, you know, because I, I'm pretty sure Warren was hell-bent against doing this thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. No, I, there's, a, there's a staff meeting 
where the notes uh, from the staff meeting talk about how not only was Warren against it, but the other justices recommended that he didn't do it either. And I think that it was because it marginalized the Supreme Court, you know, and it held off other investigations from occurring until the church committee and the Rockefeller Commission happened. Well, yeah, I mean, it was all a big dog and pony show anyway, because very rarely did, did Warren ever get involved in actual witness questioning or, or, or things of this nature. It was mostly left to the to the, to the council and junior council to deal with. You know, we know he didn't actually write the report. Um, you know, he's basically a figurehead. You know, that's probably how they sold it to him. They said, look, you don't really have to do anything here, but... You know, except put your name on it. Put your name on it. Exactly. We just need your name and your credibility to lend to this problematic investigation. Right. Sorry if it destroys your career, but... Uh, well, he did retire six years after. Yeah. Impeach Earl Warren. Oh, yeah. Walker, Walker, that was another John Birch Society movement to try to impeach Earl Warren for allowing segregation, desegregation to occur. Yeah, I mean, that's what Ruby was alluding to in custody. Uh, and even with his Warren Commission testimony, when he actually talked to Earl Warren, he's like, look, uh, you know, you're not safe here. You need, to, you need to get me back to Washington. You know, is, is this what happened? I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And, uh, you know, he mentions John Birch Society by name. Uh, you know, people that he was scared of, so... You know, it's just, it's not out of the realm of possibility that these, I mean, these were bad dudes back then. You know, it's just hard to quantify the hold that they had over Jack Ruby. Um, that, that, that one part of it has always bugged the hell out of me. Uh, you know, what, what sphere of influence they had, could have, could have had over Jack Ruby. you know, uh, pressures that were being put upon people, you know, not just Warren, but all the way down to Ruby, to Morena, and, you know, what benefits were they getting from it? You know, like Walker, ultimately from all of this, gets the press, he gets the sympathy, because supposedly he was attacked, he gets some sort of importance, you know, as you were stating earlier, that he is... He is an important leader because he's worthy of killing, so he must actually have some sort of importance to the political spectrum. He gets to push the John Birch Society's crazy agenda, and he gets the personal satisfaction of knowing that he is going to go down in history as being helping establish what little bit of a motive they could put together is that Oswald was some sort of extreme crazy who shot at important people. Right. Yeah, I mean, even <clears throat> even like with uh, when I was talking last time about uh, the organization and stuff, and like people like Stanley Drennan and these and these West Coast guys, you know, were writing about Walker and and what a great leader he would he would be for the movement. Uh, you know, not too long after he was, you know, attempted to attempted to kill. I mean, we're talking. You know, a week or two when Stanley Drain is writing this letter that, that General Walker needs to be the, the figurehead of, uh, you know, the the movement. You know, he did end up running for president in 64. Granted, he lost. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he did have political ambitions, and we know how that goes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he ran for governor of Texas, too, against Connolly. 
Yeah, lost that too. So, you know, he didn't quite have the the majority support, but he 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 did have a lot of the uh, the fringe. other yeah the fringe yeah exactly. But yeah, Walker, and I think you know he also made claims that couldn't be substantiated afterwards too. Like there was a uh, one newspaper article where he was claiming that uh, it was there's a communist cell active in Dallas in '64. You know that were that were trying to undermine the, the government. <laughs> so yeah, he definitely had his agenda, and it, no matter whether it was true or not, he stuck to it. Oh, most definitely, most definitely, and we should, we'd be remiss if uh, I didn't mention again, Carmine, this gigantic tome <laughs> that I've been pouring through recently: uh, General Walker and the Murder of President Kennedy. By Jeffrey Caulfield, who Doug has had on his show, and uh, he's going to have two more shows with him coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, so look out for those if you want. If you guys want to learn more about what Caulfield is saying about General Walker and uh, the new evidence that can be tied to all these extreme right wingers and uh, hate groups, and you know, we know that a lot of these, a lot of these hate groups, wow. yeah. Sorry, broke up for a second. I was just checking to make sure you oh, hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, you know, I know a lot of these hate groups kind of filter down into society, uh, to which we can even see on the Dallas Police Department. And, uh, you know, we can see cops wearing KKK badges. Um, you know, and a, a lot of them are probably John Birch Society members as well, or Minutemen. Um, so, you know, this kind of thinking is not out of the realm of possibility. So if you want to check out more, be on the lookout for Doug's next two episodes. Go back and listen to the first one because uh, uh, Caulfield did put a lot of work into this book, and he should be heard. Uh, you know, so definitely check it out. Um, so Carmine, did did we get to everything, or you still got one or two there? No, that's everything. We covered we covered all the documents. Uh, I think that you know, hopefully, the listener um, will have a look. At some, you know, some of the ones you post up, and you know, hopefully they enjoyed the show, and they can see the the large evidentiary holes in the, all the Walker allegations. Yeah, and not just that, but with everything else, there's a whole lot of holes. Oh yeah. That are either there or can be put there um, by hard work and research and documents, and like I said, you know, you gotta you gotta check this stuff out for yourself, and don't just you know, read read a, read somebody else's book or, or or read somebody else's work. Take the time to look into this stuff for yourself um, and check out where the truth lies. And, and it's also important to see, you know, or to keep tabs, I guess, you know, what other people are saying and doing. Um, so, Carmine, are you going to be going to the conference in New Orleans next week? <laughs> Yes. No, I will not be going. Oh. <laughs> I I saw some of the ads for that, and boy oh boy, do I not want to go. <laughs> hey, look, if you can not make. I think they'd let me in anyway because you know I like evidence. <laughs> I was gonna come pick you up in Ohio, man. If you could have met me there, we could take a trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, 
Yeah, no, I'm sure that's going to be a, a nightmare of a, of a gathering. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody out there that makes it to the JudyCon 2015, and uh, shoot me an email and let me know <laughs> let me know what you thought of it. Survivor I'd be, stories. Yeah, I'd be more than interested. Uh, and, you know, if, if anybody's going, they would like to be a, a correspondent for the, the Lone Gummin podcast. <laughs> Let me know, because uh, I got some questions for people down there. You might want to pass along for me. Uh, do you mind if I uh, do a few plugs? Plug away. Um, if you get a chance, please stop by tpak.com, T-P-A-A-K.com. It's twoprincesandaking.com. Uh, there's updated articles. We put out at least one research article every month, and we have a primary evidence collection with lots of new evidence and evidence that uh, my, I myself have come across uh, and offered to various sources. Um, also, uh, please check out Neapolis Media Group. That's N-E-A-M-G.com. And that is a collection of related media. Uh, you can find a Lone Gun podcast archive there. The Ocelli Effect with Chuck Ocelli in an archive there. You can find articles from myself, from other researchers such as uh, Matthew Chauvel, Trish, uh, <coughs> Tr- uh, Jack Gendro, and Trish Fleming. And we try to keep uh, you know updated with as much information and relevant news articles that are coming out. Awesome. And the next time you're going to hear Carmine on this show, we're going to finally be talking about the book two princes and a king uh because it should be hopefully by the end of next month you got yeah you got that countdown meter on your website yet nope don't have it yet i want to make sure you know me i want to make sure i'm willing to go a little bit longer if i have to just to make sure it's more accurate i hear you i hear you uh yeah so head over to tlgpodcast.com for all relative 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 links for what me and Carmine talked about here today, I'll post up links to all the documents we talked about. Um, maybe the flight manifest uh, we talked about here. Some 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 cool other cool stuff. So make sure you check it out and feel free to tap on the donate button and and buy your boy a cup of coffee. I'd greatly appreciate it. And make sure you check out my friends Doug Campbell over the Dallas Action, Chuck O'Chelli on American Freedom Radio. And Will Hart over at JFK Primary Sources. That's www.ht. Oh, I just fucked that up. HTTP colon backslash backslash www.j or man, I just really fucked that up. I'm gonna have to edit that out. Primary Sources. Shit, I fucked it up again. www.primarysources.wix.com backslash home. Don't worry, I'll, I'll clean that up in, in the uh, no in the aftermath. Sometimes things <laughs> get twisted. Oh my God! Well, he's got the longest URL in the in the history of the world. It's, yeah, it is a seriously long URL. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's redoing his website. I'm gonna have him on the show here soon. Cool. Yeah, no, well, it's cool. Yeah, no, he's, he's revamping the site and uh, making it bigger and better and easier to navigate. So I'm going to have him on the show. We're going to be talking about that hopefully uh, hopefully next week, actually. I guess that is it for today. 
the countdown is on. We're ramping it up to the anniversary, and nothing but big shows planned from here on out. Big topics, big shows, big guests. So check back early and often. Subscribe on iTunes if you like. Check me out on Stitcher, uh, Spreaker, Acast, Podcast Network, Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find me. I'm, I'm, I think I'm there. Um, so check it out. Stay tuned. And thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you, Carmine, for coming on the show. Everybody go check out his stuff at tpaak.com. Uh, check out Neapolis Media Group on Facebook and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe and like and do all that and share links. This time, bitches in the can. Beam up the satellite down directly to your ears, people. This is your boy. Peace. save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. 
Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.